You're listening to Comedy Central. November 11, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. We have two guests joining us on the show. First up, one of the Democrats who will be leading impeachment hearings this week, Congressman Jim Himes is gonna be joining us. And then, here with her new movie for Disney Plus, Anna Kendrick is on the show. Also on tonight's episode, dead people are sending texts, gender reveals are getting even more dangerous, and the billionaire who wants to buy the White House. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Today is Veterans Day, a day when many take a moment to celebrate heroes who have put their lives on the line to fight for their country. But for those who are actively serving, there's another reason to celebrate today. The Marines are ending their 200-year ban on umbrellas. All Marines will now be allowed to carry umbrellas while wearing service or dress uniforms. Umbrellas must be small, black, and carried in the left hand to allow for a proper salute. Yes, that's right. The Marines can now use umbrellas. And I'll be honest, I didn't even know there was a no umbrellas rule for the Marines. <laughs> but it makes sense, it makes sense. Because if you're a Marine and you have an umbrella and it flips inside out, you've gone from badass to Mr. Bean. There's no cool anything there. <laughs> There's nothing cool about that. Because umbrellas just aren't tough, right? I don't care who, like imagine Braveheart holding an umbrella. They can take our lives. <laughs> but if my hair gets wet, it turns into an afro. <laughs> I will say this, though. I think adding umbrellas is actually a, gonna be a great tactical advancement for the Marines, because now, whenever they're going into a mission, they can just marry Poppins their way into a war zone. <laughs> yeah. The enemy will be looking up like, Commander, we are getting attacked, or we're getting a new nanny. Either way, it's gonna be bad. <laughs> All right, but let's move on. Let's move on to the fad that's been sweeping the nation for the last few years. Gender reveal parties. Every day, they're getting crazier and crazier. Explosions. Alligators shooting sound waves into a woman's belly to see if there's a penis. This shit is crazy now. <laughs> but over the weekend, one gender reveal in Texas may have finally gone too far. The excited parents-to-be on the ground as the plane approaches. A crop-dusting plane dropping 350 gallons of pink water. It's a girl. But minutes later... I had a plane crash just north of Brown Buchanan's place. It all goes terribly wrong, crashing into this mangled heap of metal. The plane was carrying two people, but only designed for one. Pilot is out of the aircraft. Hey, Jim, patient number two, one, two is gonna be a male, denying any injuries. Wow. That seemed more like a pilot reveal party. Guess what, guys? I'm actually not a pilot. <laughs> or maybe this was the parents were revealing that the baby was an accident. Maybe that was the whole thing. I'm actually glad, I'm actually glad that everybody survived because that is wild. And can we agree on something? Can we agree on something? These gender reveals, you know you've gone too far if your gender reveal planning sounds the same as an ISIS plot, all right? <laughs> if you're walking around like, all right, we need some gunpowder in an airplane, that's what we need. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's getting out of hand. I remember back in the day when gender reveal 
just meant some guy in a park would rock up in a trench coat and reveal his gender to you. Those were simpler times. So simple. So simple. And finally, in technology news, if you got dumped this year because your ex said you didn't communicate enough, it might not have been your fault. If you received a mysterious text message this week from someone unexpected, you are not alone. This happened to a lot of people yesterday. They reported they received messages that appear to have originally been sent on or around Valentine's Day this year. One person tweeted, so at 2.30 this morning, my phone decided to send a text to my ex-girlfriend from nine months ago. She made this really sweet video of us for Valentine's Day. She thought I didn't respond. So that led to, among other things, a ruined holiday. So, you know, that's how today is going. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, this story is crazy. Apparently, a bunch of text messages sent on Valentine's Day only got to people's phones now. Yeah, it's a huge glitch that affected thousands of people. Nobody knew about it, and now it's in the news. And I bet a lot of guys are using this as an excuse, like... <laughs> oh, wait, wait, you didn't get that giant bouquet and that diamond necklace that I texted you? Oh, my God. AT&T, man. AT&T. But, yeah, a, a bunch of Valentine's texts didn't go through, and it sucks, but I'm gonna be honest. If your relationship ended over a missed text, maybe that was the best. You dodged the bullets. <laughs> Because I don't care what anybody says. Texting is supposed to be casual. It's not about an immediate response. That's why this isn't a problem for old people. They still send love letters in the mail. You know, be like, dearest Gertrude, I can't wait to tap that tight bran muffin of yours. <laughs> Respectfully, Harold. <laughs> the craziest part of the story, and this is completely true, the craziest part of the story is that some people got text messages from people who have since died. Yeah. That has got to be the most awkward booty call ever. <laughs> Can you imagine just on your phone? It's like, you up? You're like, are you up? <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. <laughs> We're now just 357 days away from the 2020 presidential election. And yet, there are still a ton of Democrats in this race. <laughs> I mean, look at all those faces. Look at all those faces. The field is more packed than Idris Elba's DMs. He's married, people, leave him alone. <laughs> but despite this crowded field, another big name is preparing to jump into the race. So let's catch up on the latest primary developments in our ongoing segment, World War D. <laughs> Now, the Democratic Party has an option for everyone. There's moderates, there's progressives, there's X-Men, and <laughs> there's even a guy who's worth $1.6 billion. But what if $1.6 billion just isn't rich enough for some voters? Well, then those people might be in luck. The Democratic race for president appears to be heating up this morning. Former New York City mayor and billionaire businessman Michael Bloomberg filing paperwork on Friday to get on the ballot for the Alabama primary. While he's not officially in the race yet, Bloomberg wants to keep his options open. And now he wants to ensure President Trump is defeated in 2020. His spokesman telling NBC News, Mike is increasingly concerned the current field of candidates is not well positioned to do that. I have my reservations about it. 
the people running and the way they're campaigning and the, the promises they're making that they can't fulfill and their unwillingness to really uh, admit what, they, what is possible and what isn't. Yes, Michael Bloomberg, former New York City mayor and world's richest house elf, is on the verge <laughs> of jumping into the Democratic primary because he doesn't think any of the current candidates can beat Trump. And you have to admit, that's such a billionaire thing to do, right? <laughs> no, because if a normal person is worried about someone's incompetence, like, what do we do? We just hope for the best, right? We just be like, I don't think this pilot can land the plane. Oh, I'm gonna pray and text my family. I hope they get the text before Valentine's Day. Oh my God, I hope they get it before Valentine's Day. We just have to hope. Meanwhile, a billionaire is like, I just bought the plane and fired the pilot. Now I'll land it myself. It's like, do you know how to fly a plane? I can figure it out. I'm very rich. <laughs> like, why do billionaires always do this? You know, it's not just him. Like, look at Bruce Wayne. Gotham's crime was out of control. Instead of complaining about the cops, he was like, Alfred, build me a car that shoots grenades. I'll do this myself. I'll just do it myself. <laughs> so, billionaire. Michael Bloomberg may be making a fashionably late entrance into the presidential race. And his fellow Democrats aren't exactly giving him a warm welcome. I think that Mike is expressing concern about this primary field and he should not have concern. This is a stark difference from someone that can just come in and plop down checks and buy a bunch of hats. Um, I think people are gonna see through it. I think that our elections should not be something that are bought by billionaires. So tonight we say to Michael Bloomberg and other billionaires, sorry, you ain't gonna buy this election. <laughs> oh, man. I love Bernie Sanders. He does not mess around. You see that? Like, he's shutting down Bloomberg the way Popeye's employees have been shutting down races. He's just like, sorry, you ain't gonna buy this spicy sandwich if you say the N-word. <laughs> And I see what Bernie and the other Democrats are saying. Right? The only reason it's even possible for Bloomberg to jump into the race so late isn't because he has like a groundswell of popular support behind him. It's that he has $53 billion to spend. Yeah, $53 billion. With that amount of money, Bloomberg could like, keep cloning different versions of himself <laughs> until he finds the most electable one. He could be like, how about a tall Bloomberg? <laughs> or how about a buff Bloomberg? <laughs> What about a black Bloomberg? <laughs> oh no, now I have to stop and frisk myself. <laughs> and while the Democrats are not thrilled that Bloomberg has thrown his jockey cap into the ring, there's a Republican billionaire who seems very happy about this. There is nobody I'd rather run against than little Michael. <laughs> little Michael will fail. He'll spend a lot of money. Uh, he's got some really big issues. He's got some personal problems and he's got a lot of other problems. But I know Michael Bloomberg fairly well, not too well, fairly well, well enough. He will not do very well. I know him not too well, fairly well, not too well, well enough. What? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, it almost feels like Donald Trump tries to keep one foot out of the door on every friendship just in case that friend turns out to be a pedophile. That's what it feels like he's doing. I know him well, unless he's touching kids, then I've never met him, never met him. <laughs> now, some people may be wondering why Bloomberg is only joining the race now. I mean, he told us back in March that he definitely wasn't running. So what changed his mind? Well, maybe all he needed was a little push from another member of the 0.00001%.
Michael Bloomberg, we know, taking steps to run for president. Another billionaire reportedly giving him a little push, a little support. Recode is reporting that Amazon's Jeff Bezos called Bloomberg to personally urge him to run. Wow. Jeff Bezos told Bloomberg to run? You know you're rich when the Amazon guy orders something from you. (laughs) That's money. Like... Whatever you think of Bloomberg, you have to admit it's not a great look for him and Jeff Bezos to be teaming up on this presidential run. I mean, can you even imagine what it sounds like when two guys with a combined net worth of $160 billion hatch a plan together? Can you just imagine what their phone call is like? Well, the good news is you don't have to imagine because we managed to hack that call. Michael, it's the Zos. I'm sick of Democrats thinking us billionaires have too much money. Uh, Hold on for a second. Three million. Sorry, I'm buying another Picasso for my bathroom. It's so much softer than toilet paper. You're right, we are not piggy banks. Hold on, I have to switch from my daytime helicopter to my evening helicopter. That's why you should run for president. Americans are hungry for a billionaire's sensible leadership. Like how my albino tiger is hungry for dodo meat. There you go, Wolfgang. Oof, this is a big decision. I'll let you know my answer at Illuminati bowling night. Okay, I gotta go schedule a funeral for a worker at my Amazon warehouse. Who died? I haven't decided yet. (laughs) 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 Not good, folks. We'll be right back. top Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee that is leading the impeachment inquiry of President Trump and his appearance this weekend on Meet the Press went viral. Please welcome Connecticut Congressman Jim Himes. Welcome back to the show. The first public impeachment hearings are in a couple of days. Uh, In the planning of this event, this is gonna be huge. Have you thought of getting that guy who's gonna come and be like, let's get ready to rumble? (laughs) Have you you thought of that? (laughs) I was just working on getting Anna Kendrick to come join us, because that that will improve our rating. It is a really, really big moment, not just for Congress, but for America as a whole. Now, as we saw in that clip, you believe that Donald Trump has done something that is an impeachable offense. Many Democrats do. In fact, more than half of the country believes in impeachment. Why do you think this was an impeachable offense? Well, there's two things going on here that are impeachable. Number one is a corrupt abuse of power. And that's the difference between Donald Trump, as you just saw in that clip, uh, extorting, essentially, a foreign leader, a vulnerable foreign leader. As we speak, the Ukrainians are fighting the Russians and saying, as he so gracefully put it, uh, we want you to do us a favor, though. And of course, at the same time, military aid is being held up and a meeting in the White House, which is a big deal for the new president of Ukraine, is being held up. Um, That is, has nothing to do with our foreign policy. It has everything to do with the personal political interest of the president of the United States. And I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, that is not okay. The other piece of this, of course, is we have an ambassador and and the American public is going to hear from her on Friday. All three witnesses, diplomats who are as uh, sharp 
patriotic, serving under Democratic and Republican administrations over the many, many years, veterans in some cases, uh, who was fired. She was fired because some weird combination of Rudy Giuliani and shady folks in Ukraine decided that she wasn't on Donald Trump's team. Mm -hmm. And that just can't happen. You say it's not okay, and you specifically use the word extortion. It's interesting because quid pro quo has been the term that everybody's using. But, but you're not a fan of that phrase. Why? Well, the main reason I'm not a fan of that phrase is that, and, and there's a reason why the Republicans, who of course have been throwing every variety of spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks, focused on quid pro quo. Because quid pro quo is, I'm gonna hand you a suitcase of money and in exchange, you're gonna do this for me. Now, by the way, the chief of staff admitted that that existed. Uh, Ambassador Sondland, uh, in his revised testimony, after he uh, refreshed his recollection, mm-hmm. admitted that there was a, uh, a, a, a quid pro quo. But the point is, if, you, if that's all you focus on, you miss the extortion. I mean, it's right out of The Godfather when somebody in a position of immense power looks at somebody not in a position of immense power and says, I want you to do us a favor, though. I mean, look, the message is not missed. Trump, Trump and the Republicans have said, though, this had nothing to do with extortion. It was about America saying, we want to make sure that there is no corruption in Ukraine before we give Ukrainians money. And part of that corruption could be Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and what they've done. So what do you make of that argument then? Um, It's absurd. Uh, All over the world, uh, the United States government tries to promote uh, clean elections, a clean economy. And there's all kinds of ways we do that. Uh, That's what actually Joe Biden was doing when he was encouraging the Ukrainians to get rid of a clearly corrupt prosecutor that the world knew was corrupt. He was executing Mm -hmm. the anti-corruption policy of the United States of America. We do it all the time. It bears absolutely no relation to the president saying, I want you to investigate my political opponent. And if you look at the transcript, and boy, I, I don't often agree with the president. I agree with him on this one. Read the transcript. He does not use the word corruption he mentions the Bidens over and over again. So we cannot lose the fact that that there is a radical difference between doing what we do all over the world, encouraging an end to corruption and saying, I want you to look into my political opponent. These proceedings were were happening at a pace that was um, dictated by the Democrats for a very long time. You know, Nancy Pelosi said, we're not gonna uh, launch a formal uh, proceeding. We're gonna take our time with the inquiry. We, We wanna get all our ducks in a row. Um, Some have said the Democrats have made a mistake in not waiting for Bolton as one of the most prominent note-takers in the administration. Is there a reason the Democrats are doing this now? Why not wait a little bit longer and make sure you've got even more witnesses? Or or is this a matter of timing is important? I I think the main reason for the timing is that the facts are really not anymore in dispute. And it's it's funny, when when Republicans are interviewed, uh, they never say, well, this fact is clearly wrong. They, They say the process is ugly. They say this is not fair. Uh, they say, yeah, this is pretty bad, but it's not impeachable bad, right? So right. the facts are there. And of course, we'd want to hear from John Bolton. Personally, I want to hear from Rudy Giuliani, who, uh, you know, again, another sort of chapter of this bizarre saga where you have the president's personal lawyer. Mm-hmm. He's got no position with the United States government running around Ukraine saying God knows what to God knows whom. Uh, probably we all watched Rudy on TV. I imagine those weren't particularly diplomatic conversations. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I would really like to understand that because we can't have private citizens, of course, carrying out corrupt enterprises uh, in vulnerable countries. But the bottom line is that the facts are there and the open hearings will make them plain to all Americans. It's interesting because America's history with open hearings has shown that, uh, for instance, with Nixon, once those hearings became public, the swell of support for impeachment increased dramatically because people started to hear and see for themselves what the president was accused of. 
It is different now, though, in that people get their news from completely different sources. So are you worried that this could be one of those things where the hearings are happening, but people who watch Fox News and people who consume media that supports Donald Trump, they're just gonna get information that is like, no, nothing is happening, everything is fine, look the other way? Or do you think this will shift the conversation even more? Well, it, the conversation has already shifted. I mean, when the Ukraine thing broke, the numbers, the way the American people thought about impeachment changed pretty dramatically. I mean, there was a 10, 15, almost 20 point swing. We're in a world today where some 49% of the American public thinks the president should be impeached and removed. That was not true before this Ukraine thing. That said, and, and, and here's what really worries me, um, being elected to an office like the one I hold or that the senators hold is a profound public trust. And it's not just to the president, it's to our system, it's to the constitution, it's to the resiliency of our democracy. And when Lindsey Graham or my Republican colleagues do everything they can to try to make it sound like this is okay, and I don't just mean the Ukraine stuff, I mean, you know, this is the first president in our history who before the election said he might not recognize the legitimacy of that election. He challenges judges. He calls the press the enemy of the people. This stuff is eroding the cornerstones of our democracy. And where are my Republican colleagues in saying this is not okay? Let me ask you about the Republican colleagues. They've said it's not about that. You know, people like Lindsey Graham have said no. This whole impeachment thing is incorrect. This is not how you should be removing a president. A president should be removed by the people in an election. That's what they say. Let's let the American people decide because this impeachment thing feels like a witch hunt. How do you respond to that criticism from their side? Well, the statement... So, Lindsey Graham called the impeachment process illegitimate. Folks on the right are calling it a coup. This is a specifically enumerated remedy in the Constitution of the United States that we all swear to uphold for holding the president accountable. By the way, it turns out, if you read the Mueller report, uh, that it's the only way to hold the president accountable because under the opinion of the Department of Justice, the president can't be charged with a crime. So right. it is the only way, it is the constitutional way that we hold uh, a president accountable. Um, and so to, again, attack that process and to call it a coup you know, that sound you hear is the cornerstones of our system beginning to erode a little bit. Wow. It sounds like there's going to be a showdown from Wednesday onwards. America will never be the same. Thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, good luck with the hearing. Thank you. We'll see how it all goes. Congressman Jim Hines, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My next guest is an Academy Award and Tony-nominated actor who stars in Disney's new Christmas comedy, Noel. Please welcome back to the show, Anna Kendrick. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for Congratulations having me Congratulations on joining what many people believe is gonna be the next behemoth in streaming, Disney Plus, with a brand new movie that some people are saying is gonna be the next Christmas classic. Yes, I'm very smart. It's just yes, like, yeah. I've made all the right moves. It feels like you have, because yeah. this is like, even the premise of the movie, I was like, oh yeah. Adorable. This is, this is genius. Darling. This is, Cause you play Santa's daughter, but basically it's like the Santa gets passed down yeah. from generation to generation. Yeah. So Bill Hader plays the next Santa in line. Right. He disappears because he's nervous that he won't do a good job. And I have to, what? Go and save Christmas. I mean, naturally. Right. Why wouldn't I? Why would I make a Christmas movie where I didn't have to save Christmas? <laughs> That's my job. But it's a cool story because, like, I mean, like, I, I'm not giving anything away, really, it, it, other than the fact that, like, it's just a story where Noelle, your character, goes like, oh, 
why does Santa have to go down to the boys? Like yeah. Santa could be the most efficient Santa, the most, uh, you know, the most experienced Santa. Yeah. Whoever's the best Santa, that could be anyone. Yeah. That could be you. It could be anyone. Right. You have a better chance of fitting down a chimney. Yeah, well, 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 thank you, Trevor. I think you do. I think yes. you do a much better job of fitting down a chimney than Santa. Yeah. I think you would be. <laughs> I do, every time I see Santa, I'm like, no, this is not gonna end well. Like he's gonna sue somebody for the chimney, but I feel like you could make a more efficient Santa. Th thank you. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that isn't an argument we use in the film, but maybe it's not too late for reshoots. Well, but that's because in the film, like Santa has magical things. Yeah, Yes. of course. There has to be magic. I mean, it's a yes. Disney movie. Right. I mean, if you're gonna do a Christmas movie, it should be with Disney because they're gonna build a North Pole where the whole thing is ice. There are no sidewalks. It's all <laughs> ice, and you ice skate everywhere, and it's all very, that is very magical. Mag it is, it is magical. It's friggin' magical, is what it is. Did you? So when you join like the Disney team, do you get to like meet like cool Disney like like Do you like hang out with Mickey with like Goofy like in stuff? the yeah? Uh, yeah. Is it like a secret like like party that Mickey hosts and stuff? Is I mean, I can't talk about that here. <laughs> I shouldn't have even asked. Um, you are, you're doing something amazing in your career right now, which is not just acting, not just writing books, not just singing, not just being this all-around performer, but you step behind the camera as well as an executive producer on your yeah. projects, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's been really exciting. It's, um, uh, I mean, it's nice to have a seat at the table, and it's also, like, I do feel like, uh, in so, you know, in, like in so many things in life, it's it, a job that I have felt, frankly, that I've been doing on a lot of projects, and right. I just haven't had the title. Um, so uh, I've had, like, comments from directors being like, oh, God, like, thanks for that, Anna. I, I, I owe you a car, my God. I'm like, or you could give me an EP credit. Um, so it's been really, really exciting. I'm but isn't it a bit weird to be like, because here's the thing, when you're acting, the director's sort of your boss, but then, because you're the, you're the actor, and then there's the direct, director's your boss, but then as the yeah. EP, you're now the director's boss. Yeah. So it's like, because it'd be weird well, if the director gives you a note. I know, I know. It's been, it's, I've been really lucky so far where, because um, sometimes you get on a project and like a, two weeks in, you're like, this guy's an idiot. Oh no, like what do I do? Um, but so far, anything that I've been a produce, oh, producer okay. on, like I have just such respect for I and think trust should, for the director. I think you should do a fake phone call. That's what you should do if that happens. Oh. You just do a fake fake phone call as yourself. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? Because like, you're there I'm on like, set. I'm like, actor Anna needs to speak to producer Anna. Exactly. This isn't working out with yeah, this director. Yeah, you just go like, hello. Don't, don't worry, babe, I'm gonna get down there. You're a star. Right, and you just Keep do like going. a whole You're doing thing. great. Exactly, that's yeah. exactly what you do. And then you kill the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, do you, do you ever think you'd see a world where you wouldn't be in front of the camera then? I, I don't want to see that world, but I don't, like a lot of people gravitate towards that, where people, like actors go like, no, I actually enjoy this. I like just like running everything. Um, I mean, I could see that. Uh, I mean, no, it, I just said I don't want to see that. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's just, it's less kind of hair extensions and all that stuff. Oh, that so makes that's, sense. So that's, you know, that would be a, that would be a plus. Um, I could wear hoodies again, you know, that kind of thing. That makes sense. Um, but I mean, yeah, I like, I really like my job. I, I, if anything, I think I, for a long time, I felt like really all I wanted to do was the acting part. And I mm -hmm. felt like um, there came a time when I was like, oh crap. Like, again, like so many things in life, you realize like there aren't just grownups in the room. You know, you're the grownup. Yes, and you're like, that oh makes no, sense. that means nobody knows what they're doing. That's <laughs> such bad news. Oh no. Because um, it would be great if there were kind of grown-ups that were more grown-up than you are, and there aren't. Right. It's just I like that the idea level. that you're saying that in the meeting out loud, <laughs> just like in meetings. To everyone oh, going, no, oh there no, are no you're grown-ups. All, none of you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, why did I listen to any of you? I think that would be amazing. Uh, I think everything that you're doing is amazing. Um, Disney Plus is gonna be huge just because it's Disney. I agree, I'm, I've made the right moves. You have made <laughs> all of the right moves. The Christmas movie is coming out. Noelle is your character. Is there anything else you wanna tell us about? Because I just like chatting to you. Oh, I actually did wanna say that I hope that the fact that Between the Scenes has become like a whole thing is something that you're happy about and not like, I've got to do like bonus interviews now because Anna one time came on after in Between the Scenes no, and now no. it's like a whole thing. No, no, but you you were the only person who like refused to listen to me when I said- It's not a thing? Between the Scenes is not a thing. But now it's a thing, so you're welcome. Yes. And I, thank you, Anna. Okay, and not just no, more work for you. No, no, it's fine. I can tell I mean, in your eyes that no, you kind of These are happy it. eyes. These are happy eyes. These are eyes that enjoy doing more work. That's what these no, eyes are. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I guess maybe we'll do another Between the Scenes. Noelle will be available to stream when Disney Plus launches November 12th. Anna Kendrick, everybody. <laughs> The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.